Hey, this is Tommy Iceland, worship leader and songwriter, and you're listening to the Practical Worship Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people. And we release a new episode on the first Friday of every single month. So if you haven't already, consider subscribing on whatever app you use to listen to your podcasts on so you'll never miss another one. Happy New Year, everyone. It's kind of cool to say that the year is 2020, although I'm sure that every church at some point this year is going to do some sort of sermon series on vision, but I think that's okay. 2020 is just a really cool name for a year, I think. This is episode 22, and today's guest is Tommy Iceland. He's a worship leader that was born in the country of Iceland, grew up in Sweden, but just over a year ago moved his entire family to Nashville, Tennessee to focus more on his songwriting. And we talk about a couple of things in this conversation. One, we talk about spontaneous worship, or more specifically, creating space for the Holy Spirit to move and shape a time of worship as it's happening and being prepared as a worship band to make changes in the moment. It's not something that you just wake up one day and start doing. There's a lot of prep work that goes into being ready to shift in a new direction if the need arises and there's communication that needs to happen within the band so that everyone moves in the same direction. So we talk about some of his experiences with that and why it's important and how to get started. Tommy is also a talented songwriter and recently has had the chance to write with people like Jesus Culture, David Leonard, Ruben Morgan, Stars Go Dim, and Chris Tomlin. In fact, there's a song on the new Chris Tomlin Holy Roar record called Impact that Tommy and Chris co-wrote together. But it can be scary to lock yourself in a room with someone you've never met before and then begin this intimate process of writing songs together, which in many cases requires you to bear your soul and share deep thoughts and feelings and insecurities. So we talk about what it's like to write songs with other people that you've looked up to for years years, but really just met for the first time. That's all coming up in just a moment. Today's episode is sponsored by Worship Summit Live, which is an online one-day conference. In fact, I have Paul Richards, who's heading up the conference right here. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Well, and, and here later this month, we'll be connecting again because um, you got Worship Summit Live happening here towards the end of January. Tell me a little bit more about this conference and how it's going to help people that are in, in churches and in production ministries and worship ministries and things like that. Yeah. So Worship Summit Live is a full day of church production education. Uh, it's it's going to be Friday, January 24th in 2020. If you can believe that. We're in a new decade now. And it's going to be a 100% free digital summit. So folks can join from anywhere in the country, in the world. And so it kind of makes it a little bit different. We're going to have some awesome speakers and experts in the field joining us. Uh, Dave, of course, you'll be there. Um, Jake Goslin from Churchfront is going to be speaking uh, we have Will Doggett, a certified Ableton trainer, who's going to be talking about um, music and bands and integrating all of that technology into um, you know, live streaming and church production. We'll also have Dr. Barry Hill, who I connected with. Uh, interestingly enough, Dr. Barry Hill is the author of Mixing for God, and he has a book that a lot of church production experts have read 
spent over the years to learn about audio and mixing in the church production space. And uh, he'll be presenting as well, along with actually a couple more people uh, on our list. I think it's fantastic. And I love, too, the fact that it is an online thing. Sometimes it can be hard for everyone to break away to go to a specific location for, you know, for a conference or a summit or something like this. Or you might only be able to take one person, and then that person is then responsible of trying to somehow get that information back to everyone else. But if you can, you know, pull everyone together in the conference room at your church and just sit around the TV and kind of carve out the day, it makes it a whole lot easier for you to engage with all this information information from wherever you happen to be, whether it be the United States or even beyond that. That's right. And we're going to be hopefully delivering a really you know, immersive, uh, entertaining, and also educational full day from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. And then as each of our guests have roughly 45 minutes to make a really you know, timely educational presentation, once the, pre- the, the presenters are done with their presentation, we're going to have a Zoom video conference breakout room where members of the audience can ask, you know, one-on-one questions with the experts. So it's going to be almost as if you're there um, with all of these great experts, but you don't have to leave your hometown. And we will be giving a free copy of Helping Your Church live stream to everyone who attends online. So uh, you can get that at worshipsummit.live simply by clicking the download the book link there. And it's a completely uh, free, but also very informative book that's available on Amazon and also Audible. But we want to get the free copy to everyone who's attending this summit so they can uh, start learning right away and get prepared for this awesome day, but also have a takeaway that they can take home and continue their learning. I think that's awesome. And you can check out the website at worshipsummit.live, or we'll also put all the links to everything you need in the show notes. Paul, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. I'm so glad to be here. All the things that we talk about throughout this entire episode, you can find at practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast 22. And now here's my conversation with Tommy Iceland. Tommy Iceland, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a brand new year. Uh, we're, we're focusing in here on 2020. Is there like any New Year's resolutions or is, is that even a thing that, that, that Swedish people do? Uh, yeah, all the time, but we never stick to them. But um, Oh, so you're just like America? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably uh, work out more. Yeah. <laughs> Eat healthier. Yeah. Play some more hockey. Ooh, hockey, that's a good goal. Have you been playing a lot of hockey there in Nashville? Uh, I actually have, yeah. I uh, I used to play back in Sweden, and then um, I hadn't played for like 10 years, and I decided to pick it up again. So I brought my skates, gloves from Sweden, bought you know the rest of the stuff here, and then started playing in, a, in a, an adult league. And uh, yeah, it's fun. Now, pardon my sports ignorance, but I think of a sport like hockey, and then I think of a city like Nashville that's in the south. That It doesn't seem like those go together. We've got the Predators, though, and they're doing really, really good. Okay. So, yeah, there are a lot of adult leagues here, or beer leagues, what they call them. Gotcha. Now, as you focus on this brand new year, are there goals, are there things that you want to see maybe happen in 2020, whether that be business-wise or vocationally or family-wise? Well, I'm hoping to reach the NHL. I still have that dream. Besides that... (laughs) 
Well, but if that doesn't happen, I have a backup plan, and that's music. So,、um, yeah, I'm just,、uh, man, I, I don't know. I just,、uh, my plan for, well, my goal for this year is just to release some of my own music. Uh, we're uh, kind of in the process of working on some new songs, and that's what I'm stoked about releasing this year. Hopefully, late spring. That sounds awesome. And yeah, just writing a ton as well. I love that. Now, you are one that has led worship in a lot of different avenues and arenas, even in different countries. And you're, you're really big on making sure that there is、uh, spontaneous moments, or at least being in a position where as the set is going on, if you feel it needs to go in a different direction than maybe what you had planned, that you can do that. And so、uh, take a moment and just kind of walk us through your process as far as like how you prepare for a worship set and then also making room for those moments that might be a little spontaneous where you go in a direction that isn't necessarily on the set list. Yeah.、Um... I mean, obviously, as worship leaders, we, we always、uh, we honor the platform that we were given and we honor our pastors. And if we're given, say, 15 minutes of worship or 17 minutes or 22 minutes, whatever is the, the amount of minutes that we're giving as, as a worship team, we always have to, have, have to work with that. But、um, if, say it's 15 minutes, usually that's like three songs or so, something like that. It's easy to just、uh, fall into a place where we just do song after song after song. We just do it start to finish. And especially nowadays when we have access to tracks and all that, we, it's easy to just, you know, we stick to the, the mold, like the, the, the track. Like we, we do it from start to finish. And there's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I also want to make sure that the worship team I'm with, that we're also flexible, that we're,、uh, we're not. Just depending on the tracks. Actually, I was recently leading uh, worship um, at a conference and I realized like this team didn't have the, they weren't used to to being like spontaneous or like flowing because after the the sermon, they wanted to have space for, uh, you know, um, they had an altar call. So they would want to have space for people to come and just get prayer and the worship team, like we would would sing uh, in that time. But The, the worship、uh, team that I work with, they already planned to do like five songs in that time. And we had, I don't know, we had like 20 minutes or something like that.、Uh, but instead of doing just song after song, like back to back, I was really trying to work with them to just like flow instead. Let's just do, you know, depending on what the, the pastor is preaching about, like we could, we could go into a chorus or a bridge or something like that. And then,、um, you know, say, say we go into, Uh, no Other Name by Hillsong. We start with a bridge and we can do that, or like a chorus or something like that. But then, then we go straight back into like verse two and then we play the rest of the song. And we can have like one or two full songs if we have time for that. I was trying to prepare the team to, to、um, like for, for、uh, a couple of different like choruses or, or bridges that we could just flow into. And also making sure that we're in a key、uh, that works for. You know, a few songs in a row so we don't have to switch key all the time because that's really distracting. So, say we're in C, like we could just flow if we're in a, in a, like a tempo that, you know, a lot of worship songs that are around like 70 BPM, 72, 75, or something like that. You, you have a, so many songs that you could just flow,、uh, flow into. So, I,、uh, I worked a lot with the team there and、uh, they weren't used to doing that. It was a very young team, but it wasn't too hard. They just hadn't had someone who, 
challenged them in this area before. So uh, we did no other name, and then we just we were just flowing for like 15 minutes uh, into you know different songs, uh, like parts of songs, like choruses and bridges. That was just like uh, serving the moment, and not just. It's not about you know uh, us as a worship worship team. We don't have to play a full song. It's not it's not about us. It's about like what is the spirit doing right now? What does the pastor want? Like where is he taking? Uh, taking this moment, or we just follow him. And uh, when I was in Sweden, my church back in Sweden, like we uh, we worked a lot uh, with this. We obviously we planned a lot for the Sunday, so we were like super prepared. And I believe that the you know the Holy Spirit can you know can also plan ahead, you know. And sometimes we think that the the Holy Spirit just only works in the like in the in the moment. And always changing th- changing things, but obviously God can plan ahead as well. So you obviously want to p- pray and prepare days or a week ahead of the service. Um, but sometimes the pastor would challenge us instead of he would he would say like, "Well, after the preaching, we, I want this song instead." So we would make sure that we we had you know we had a very a big list of songs that we we were kind of like doing as a as a church. So we would make sure that everyone knows all of these songs. So one Sunday, I remember we did, we had three services or four services that Sunday. And after the first service, the pastor said, I think we had 15 minutes between the services. And the pastor said, we need to change the whole set list. This is not working. And at that point, we were like, oh, okay. Uh, That's a scary statement when you hear that. Yeah, it is. And first you think you're thinking like, well maybe you should have planned ahead but then you're like but yeah but that's not a problem because we know these songs and uh as long as we just make sure like we put them in the right key so we can do the transitions nice as well because like i don't want like i don't want the worship set to stop you know i don't want like have dead silence for like five seconds in between the songs I'd, i'd love for it to just flow so we just uh get rid of all the distractions that we can you know just to make it, you know, flow nice. And the worship team, they solved it. Uh, and we and it was a great service. It was much much more powerful and, you know, and that's the first one. Cuz the pastor felt like we needed to shift the atmosphere in the room. We needed to we needed to do, to do something. And uh at that point, we were all just used to, you know, being somewhat flexible on a Sunday. We might just change one song or something like that. We were all used to that at that point. Talk to me a little bit more about like how do you work with the team and how do you prepare them for those moments? Because when you're, when you're actually leading a set like that, and it could you get to a moment where you could go this way or that way or you know, start this song or whatever. How are you preparing them to to be able to listen to one another? Is there any communication tools that you're using? Like how do you prep them so that in those moments you can lead people? and lead the band in the direction and kind of give them the heads up where it might go or teach them how to listen? Uh, well, I mean, some practical tools are, you know, definitely that everyone has in, has in ears. That helps a lot. And that people hear the click. I'd love for the whole worship team to hear the click, especially if you're a worship leader. I like, uh, I my click is probably as loud as the drummers. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that's the way I want it. But you're also a drummer, so... Well, yeah. I'm the same way. But yeah, just having an MD on stage, a musical director, someone that could kind of like lead the team, 
or just pick up uh, what the worship leader is doing. So if I want to go into a chorus instead of um, or go go into the bridge after a chorus or something like that, I would do a sign maybe to to um, to the team. But depending what the stage look look like uh, and depending on where we are in the song, like I I can't trust that everyone is looking at me all the time, you know. So if I'm leading, if I'm I'm showing a sign, like uh, I know for sure that the MD. The musical director is looking at me. He knows what I'm, what I want to take the song, where I want to take the team. So he will communicate what I uh, show to him. He will communicate that in his mic into everyone's in ears, and uh, that makes us more united as a team. Like we would uh, flow into a new section without uh, even have to practicing it before, uh, like beforehand. Also, like the musical director just you know carries a big, big load. Because he's uh, he's uh, say say if we go into just as I was talking about this that worship team at a conference that I was leading at we would go into a, to a, like a different song or whatever if the team also knows like the Nashville number system I think that what it's called mm-hmm. you know we we just got introduced to that in Sweden about two years ago so it's pretty new but like as soon as the team understands that like that helps a lot because the musical director could just you know communicate to the team like okay this bridge is you know four five six one or whatever you know and then the team would just play that uh so it's so easy easy for the team to uh, to catch along you know yeah it's good to have like a, a music director that can really get in the headspace of the worship leader and yeah. you know and be able to see like certain cues it's the same thing like you know me as a worship leader i'm watching my senior pastor especially on a sunday morning and i'm looking at him in terms of like our response time or an altar call i'm trying to read his cues yeah and and then and then lead the band in that regard i you know having a music director is kind of one step even further down that chain where you have you know someone that is kind of looking at the cues that the the the, the worship leaders given and they like i've seen that face before or i you know i i i can tell when he leans into the microphone like little things that he probably doesn't even know that he's doing but he knows okay yeah. he's we're not done with this song yet and he can then audibly communicate that over a microphone that just goes to the in-ears and doesn't go to everyone else. There's actually a video on my YouTube channel uh, from a guy named uh, Tracy Stigley. He's the music director at Willow Creek in the Chicago area, and he has a lot of great advice as far as like how to get like a music director up and running. So I'll put that in the show notes, and you guys can you can check that out. Is if you always you know as far as when you, when you've approached leading worship. Have you always looked for these spontaneous moments, or did you find yourself in that situation where I just built a set list, and then I got there on Sunday morning, and I just executed it, and then one day realized, oh, I want to do more than that? Like, how this this desire for you to, like, create these moments and to, to, to leave space for the Holy Spirit to move, it, has it always been something that's kind of been, you know, in your in your psyche, or did you try doing it a different way and found frustration? Like, how did that work for you in your life? Uh, it's definitely not been anything that I've, I've, uh, you know, that's always been with me. When I started leading worship, um, I uh, like the first five years or so, I was like really, really stiff, and I would like have my eyes closed uh, from start to finish because I was worshiping. You can't worship with your eyes open, <laughs> <laughs> or so they say. So um, yeah, I was just like standing still not really leading the congregation. I was just like 
singing the song basically. But I, I moved to another city. I was, you know, I was uh, studying in another city and eventually ended up in Gothenburg uh, after I got married to my wife, Jenny. And then we, we came to this church called Connect Church. And that was uh, a very good atmosphere very good uh, foundation for for a worship team and for people to grow in their their gifts and their callings. Under that leadership, Pastor Anders and Camilla, they were very, you know, intentional in creating that space. But we took our time. Like the church was constantly growing, but we took our time with stuff. Like they trusted people who, you know, were young and in, like uh, inexperienced, kind of like I was at that point. But I, uh, I, I was soon given the opportunity to lead worship there as well. And I think in the start, in the beginning there, we, we would just play the songs, basically, you know. We didn't have tracks at that point, but we would, tra- we would play the songs from start to finish and not have those spontaneous moments. But we were all kind of like inspired by churches and people who did that. So we very intentionally like started to try to introduce it, but like just, you know, parts of it, like, uh, like uh, maybe just like a 30-second transition between these two songs, like someone would share a Bible verse or whatever. And then we would do like prayer and worship nights um, at our church with, uh, with the, you know, it's just worship for an hour and a half or something like that. And the, the pastor, our pastor Andrews, he would come up and just like, you know, pray for people or just share something short. And then we go, you know, continue to worship. And those nights kind of like really shaped our worship team and those those moments because we dared like you know exploring those uh, uncharted waters like uh, at those typical uh, events and uh, then we would like start doing it on Sundays you know the regular services as well uh, slowly introduced it and we would all get more comfortable uh, and you know we totally screwed up a bunch of times because we were like <laughs> inexperienced you know and, you know, someone would start sharing their heart uh, as a worship leader. You would start sharing something. And we kind of got like, it wasn't exactly, it didn't bring exactly what we wanted to the, the, the service or like the moment. It didn't enhance or anything. So we were just trying to make sure that if you have, like, if you're inexperienced, you haven't done this uh, like a bunch of times before, maybe you should just start by sharing a scripture. Just share a scripture. Like, you can't go wrong with that. Because that's that's the word, that's the truth, and that was that will speak life into the congregation at the moment. And eventually, when people get like kind of like warm in their clothes, uh, you would share scripture and then something around that scripture, a thought or something like that, and then maybe a prayer as well. So uh, it's definitely been a process, and it always obviously it starts in our long time with God at home. Like you can't take the congregation into a spontaneous place of worship. If you haven't done that in your closet or in your bedroom at home, you have to have that like prayer language. You have to have that, that spontaneous song inside of you before you do it in front of uh, a lot of people. And, and, and you, you start small and you, you, yeah. know, you, you, you try it in little moments here and there. One of the things that I'm super planned, like I, I'm very analytical and, and uh, I remember uh, I was speaking at a conference that uh, was with a bunch of other Pentecostals, and here I am, this you know white Baptist boy in this international Pentecostal church, and talking about spontaneous. And the more I learned about it, was that it wasn't like anything goes. It's just you know, it's there's certain forks that happen. There's certain moments you say, okay, at this moment, you know, we could go left, we could go right, we could go straight. 
and just make, you know leaving room for that opportunity to be there. And you may look at the you know you kind of sense that moment and go, you know what, we're going to continue on to the next song just like we planned. Yeah. Um, but then you get to the next fork. And you're like, okay, this is this is we kind of have a down moment, and the next song's supposed to be up. I don't think we need to go up. I think we need to stay in this more kind of calm moment. And so, at that moment, you reach the next fork, and you make the decision to go from there. But mm-hmm. yeah, you can just kind of start small and then take it in pieces like that, and and to be able to kind of read the the moment and then you know serve the room and and what what God's doing in that that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, you you you'll see what the the congregation is catching on to. Like if it's a it's a moment that's really engaging the congregation, you like you obviously want to ride on that wave, and uh, maybe just you know stay low or uh, or build the same song up again to like a big chorus again, whatever. If this if the church is really catching on to it, and uh, sometimes it's just good to move on as well. And how do you how do you know when it's time to move on? Like how do you sense that? Um, sometimes it's just me getting tired of hearing myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. Well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's uh, a lot of times it's easy that it's for us to just like sing the same bridge or same chorus over and over and over and over again. And eventually it's going to get tiring. So you got to do something new every now and then to just, you know, switch things up and keep the, the interest, you know, uh, or like the, the attention. And the focus um you can probably see the the congregation when they're when they're getting tired of like you know lifting their hands or like singing the same thing just do something just to switch it up take it down or uh go into a down chorus or whatever and then just after that down chorus just stay let the team let the 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 band play the chords on that uh, that chorus and just stay there for a moment and see what happens i would like really want to challenge people to do that if they if 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 you're a worship leader you're listening right now and you haven't really done that just explore that for a moment go into like but at the end of a song you go into maybe a down chorus and then you let the team just continue to play those chords and for a moment just be silent allow it to be awkward for a few seconds and then just see what happens maybe the the you know, the spirit would just stir something within you, just share a scripture or share a word or just start praying or just a spontaneous uh, song maybe and just encourage the the church to sing with you spontaneously. I think that's a good word. Tommy, are you ready now for the bonus round? I don't know. Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we are doing the bonus round in three, two, one, coffee or tea. Hot chocolate. <laughs> this is how this is going to go. Uh, <laughs> early riser or night owl? Um, both, actually. So how does that work? Well, uh, I'm tired all the time. <laughs> well, I'm probably more of an early riser. I I can never I can never allow myself to just sleep in to like you know 10 a.m. or something like that. I feel like half the day is gone. You want to get up and accomplish some things. Yeah, yeah. Probably. <laughs> Favorite TV or Netflix show? Hmm. Well, I love. I'm. I, I'm kind of obsessed with the White House and politics and like, uh, you know, CIA and all that that type of stuff. So any TV show that's about the White House or politics. So like Homeland, 
Um, I'm watching this Madam Secretary series right now on Netflix, Designated Survivor. Although I think it's like too polished and like they're all so like perfect human beings. But <laughs> I see that drum set behind you. Evans or Remo? Evans. First car you ever owned? Uh, it was an Audi 80. The color was laser red. Nice. Yeah, looks so sharp. Favorite social network? Instagram. Favorite podcast? Apart from Practical Worship Podcast, it's... I uh, know, right? I know. Uh, it's a podcast called uh, And the Writer Is by Ross Golan. Uh, I just love that podcast. The, uh, the episodes are s- uh, sometimes pretty long, but they're just so interesting all the time. And this uh, Ross Golan, guy who's doing this podcast, he's a songwriter himself, very successful. And uh, he's just interviewing a bunch of writers and artists that are, um, you know, at the top of their game. And just it's just fascinating to hear kind of like their, their life story and how they ended up where they are now. And you get to uh, you, you get some insight into what it's like being a, a songwriter and working with all these huge artists. That's fantastic. We'll put that in the show notes so you can check that out. Yep. What's a hidden talent that you have that only a few people know about? <laughs> I'm good at catching stuff with my mouth. Like, if you would throw a nut towards me, I'd be, you know, 99% of the time I could catch it with my mouth. So, like, if you go to the hibachi grill, and they always, like, at some point at the hibachi grill, they always, like, have the egg, and they, like, throw it to all the people. Like, your catch record Mm -hmm. is going to be, like, nearly 100%. Yeah. It's amazing. Next time I'm in Nashville, we'll have to do that. That'll be fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the bonus round. Give it up for Tommy. Woo. Thank you. Well, you've had an opportunity to uh, to sit into sit in some rooms uh, with some pretty influential people and craft some songs. You know, Chris Tomlin on his latest Holy Roar CD, you had the song Impact. You know, you've done some stuff with Jesus Culture and Star- Stars Go Dim. I mean, you've been able to sit in a lot of rooms and write a lot of songs. When you're... Like, what is that like? Like, when you're sitting down with someone that you maybe you might not even even have met before, as far as you know, you get into a room and now all of a sudden, you're, you know, you kind of have to get to an intimate level pretty fast to be able to say, here's here's a thought that I have. Here's this, you know, this verse is based on an insecurity that I have. That like, and all of a sudden you have to like lay all this stuff on the table that that they may like or they may not like. Like how. How is that for you when you're writing with other people? What is that experience like? Yeah, I think as a songwriter, you just got to be okay with um, just opening up your heart all the time, just pouring out your emotions. There are formulas like for for songwriting. You could you could listen to the top play, you know playlists on the pop playlists or the the CCM uh, playlist, whatever goes on radio or whatever, and you want to write a song like that, target it for that market, and there are formulas that you can stick to. But me as a songwriter, I always want to write from a place of honesty, place, you know, stuff that I've walked through my, myself or something that I feel, uh, that I can feel, you know? So you just got to be fine with, you know, opening your heart, heart and your emotions all the time for people or for strangers. Like I, a lot of times I write with people I've never met before. And say we would have like a, a four-hour session, a three-hour session or something like that to write a song. But I don't want to rush into the writing too fast because we want to have probably, I don't know, 30 minutes or 
Sometimes it's just 15 minutes, but it can, can be up to an hour of just talking and getting to know each other first. And most of these people that I'm riding with are kind of used to this, so they're used to opening up pretty fast. But yeah, it's like a therapy session. You just like sharing your struggles, sharing your, your, your doubts or your beliefs or like your challenges or like, uh, you know, stuff that you're praying for at the, right now. Or What was that first experience like when you first sat down and co-wrote with someone? What was that? Was it awkward at first? Like, how did that, what did that feel like? Well, I'll tell you what. One of my first co-writing sessions was with Ruben Morgan from Hillsong. Yeah. And... Uh, because I'm good friends with Eric Leggero, uh, pastor in Hillsong, Sweden. And he's, uh, you know, he wrote Cornerstone with Jonas Myron and Ruben. And uh, uh, great songwriter. I've, I've, I don't think I had written with him before that. But Ruben was coming to Stockholm and Eric reached out and asked if I wanted to come to Stockholm just to, to write with him. So I took the train there uh, and we wrote for like eight hours, I think, straight that day. And man... You know, I'm a I'm a man. I haven't been in labor, but it kind of felt like being in labor for a full day. It was just so exhausting because I wasn't at that level as a writer, obviously. I had some melody ideas that like kind of got, you know, was the foundation for the for the song or like the chorus and all that, which was great. It was really encouraging to hear like, you know, Ruben liked that melody. I looked up to him so much as a writer, still do. I just realized how much I had to, I still had to work on like with my writing. And... uh it's just a weird situation to be in because you're just like completely open. You just have you just have your heart completely open. But I I left that day and I just felt like I was you know obviously super inspired, but also also felt like man I have so much to work on if I want to do this for a living. If I want to be a better writer. If I want actually want to write songs that really helps the church to connect with God. You know, so it was really uh, helpful. And then uh, I'll tell you a story when I I met. Mitch Wong, this this guy from uh, Australia, he's part of Planet Shakers down there, just about to move to the States. A great writer and now like one of my best friends. But I met him, I met him here in Nashville, what was that, two years ago maybe? One and a half years ago, something like that. And it was, it was the first time I met him. Uh, we spent maybe like 30 minutes of like just, you know, trying to get to know each other. And uh, we started writing this song that eventually became Impact. And uh, I felt like, you know, we connected really well. Like we, we, we like we realized like we, um, we were kind of similar in, in the way like we, uh, the type of music we listened to, like our hearts really connected. We felt like we were on the same level. So obviously it's easier to write when you're in a room with someone that you feel like you really connect with. And apparently we wrote a song that, you know, a lot of other people also liked. So, you know, uh, Stacy Wilburn, my publisher, heard that song later that day, and she just felt like she had to send it to Chris Tomlin. And I was just blown away. Like, I didn't, you know, I had maybe... You weren't like, expecting that. No, not at all, man. I was just, like, brand new writer. And, yeah, so she sent, sent it to Chris, and I was like, yeah, there's not a chance he's going to cut that song. But I had, like, a faraway dream, obviously, to one day in the future, maybe in 10 years or something, I would be able to work with Chris Tomlin. That would be awesome. Um, then we didn't hear anything. Like he got the song. We didn't hear anything for maybe two months or so. So like, obviously I didn't, I didn't believe that we're going to record it. And then, uh, Stacy reached out to him again and just asked like, what do you guys think about it? 
And he said, oh, well, well, we're recording it. Everyone loves it. The label loves it. I love it. And he was like so grateful for uh, for the uh, opportunity, you know, to jump on, on board on that song. And he, he uh, rewrote some stuff. And, you know, we felt like the song really landed well. What did he rewrite? If, if I may ask, like, what, what, how did he come in? Because obviously he's been doing this for decades and decades and just has a cer- certain sense for it. I'm just curious what he came to the table and said, okay, what if you change this? And, and what kind of impact, pardon the pun, did that happen on the song? Um, I think the chorus uh, stayed pretty solid to what we had already. He came and changed some stuff on the verses. And then, I mean, Chris, he's just so he's just so brilliant at, like the big picture, obviously. He's a big picture guy uh, and very good with lyrics, but he, he knows what's going to work for the congregation. He knows what's, what people are going to be able to sing. And uh, he changed some words. I can't, I can't remember exactly at the top of my head what. It was one thing that I know that he changed that was kind of like, it just felt like bigger and more including than the word that we were using before that. So... His changes obviously helped the song and just, you know, elevated it. Uh, so, but yeah, he's a, he's a big picture guy. And I was not in the room, you know, we were not in the room with Chris when we finished that song. I got the opportunity to write with him uh, in February to, to 2019 and just confirmed what I already thought. Like his whole thing is just, he just, he's just picturing the church in, like all the time. Can the church sing this, you know? His heart is all about the church. So um, back to the writing. And, um, you know, a lot of times I end up in rooms where there's like no chemistry at all, you know, because obviously you have to connect with the people you're writing with in order to, to write something that's going to be good and that's, that people are going to connect with. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just end up with a half a verse and we're like, okay, let's just call it a day. Maybe get back to this at a later point. And most times we won't. Uh, get back to that song, but that's fine. Uh, we're not writing hit songs or the next anthem every time. Well, it's songwriting is like a muscle. I mean, you have to exercise it like anything else. And so, yeah, totally. you know, sometimes you write a song for the sake of, okay, we, we wrote a song. That song will probably not go anywhere, but we learned something in the process. And, you know, you took the risk and sometimes it, it, it turns out to be magic and sometimes it doesn't. And, yeah. but you just, it's, it's that consistency that uh, that I think is important when it comes to that. Is there anything that you bring to the session? Like when you're coming in, you're going to you're going to songwrite with someone, like what do you bring into the room tangibly? Uh well, I'm definitely more of a melody guy than lyrics. I love writing lyrics, but you know, I'm half Icelandic, half Swedish. English is not my native language, so that stuff's going to take a little bit longer time for me, but melodies are always like I can spit up melodies for days because it's it's just something that comes easy to me. And maybe that has something to do with, I don't know, our, our native languages or something like that. They're more melodic than, than uh, English. I don't know if that has something to do with it. That's just my uh, thought. Could be. Um, I always really want to bring my heart into every session. So always try to be very open, honest, and, and real every time I'm writing. Here's a couple of takeaways that I got from talking with Tommy. One is that you don't always have to play the song like you've always played the song. There's advantages to being ready to adjust the songs and the set list entirely, if you need to, to what the Spirit is doing 
in the room and how people are responding. The prep work that's needed to make something like this happen is making sure that you and the band know the songs inside and out and having a clear way to communicate within the band in that moment so that everyone stays on the same page. Also, you don't have to jump into the deep end of the pool on your first try. A spontaneous moment can just be a 30-second transition between songs where you share a scripture or share something that's on your heart, and then maybe you try to go a little bit bigger during a service that's outside of a typical Sunday morning, maybe a special worship night. Start small, be patient, and then grow from there. And then on the topic of songwriting, writing with people that you've never met before can be awkward at first, but you can push through the awkwardness. The practical takeaway that I got, that if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're writing with someone that you've never met before, is don't be in a hurry to actually write the song and just begin building a relationship with the other person and the song will come out of the relationship that you form. We talked a little bit about the song Impact, which he co-wrote with Chris Tomlin. It's on the Chris Tomlin Holy Roar record, but Tommy just released his own version of the song that I really like. I'm going to put links to both versions in the show notes, along with everything else that we talked about in the episode. Just go to practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast 22. And since you've made it this far into the podcast, you should do this. Take a screenshot and share it on social media. I always love seeing where you all are listening to the show from and what you're doing. And not only is it cool to know that you're listening, but it's kind of fun to know when you're listening. In fact, on those screenshots, I love looking and seeing like what time it says on your phone. I saw a screenshot that was like, two in the morning. And I was like, this is absolutely amazing. So I love knowing like when you're listening. I like to know what you're doing while you're listening. So when you share it, tag me by using at Dave Dolphin. Okay. And thanks to everyone that has written honest five-star reviews and ratings on iTunes and on the iOS podcast app. Now, here's the reason why those are so important. And that I mention this every single episode, those reviews and ratings are what tell iTunes to suggest this podcast to other people that have similar interests so that more and more people can benefit from this content. And if you're listening to this from Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or Stitcher, thank you to you as well. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month.